Well, that's a perfect tribute for the uh, theme of today, when we focus our thoughts and our hearts around the Lord Jesus Christ, who we have the symbols before us tonight to remind ourselves that Jesus Christ gave himself for us and to us. And in turn, our time together is a reminder to all of us that we are his people, we're his flock, and we give ourselves back to him over and over and over again. That's what we're called to do. That's who we are. It's an amazing thing to realize that that Jesus calls us his people. And uh, the commission that he gave to Peter was, go feed my sheep. Go take care of my lambs. Feed my sheep. It's an awesome responsibility, but at the same time, an amazing privilege to be able to be at the front line of, uh, of uh, responding to what Christ has called us to do. I consider it the greatest of all privileges to be able to feed the sheep, to care for the lambs that are Christ's. And uh, uh, I, I never get used to it. I never, I never get used to standing at this table, the communion table, and, and um, realizing that... Um, God has entrusted to me the opportunity to stand in on his behalf and serve the elements to, to his people. And, and um, so it's an awesome thing to, to serve Christ and to know that he loves us and cares for us. And, and uh, tonight, the service tonight is, is all about um, worshiping him, acknowledging Christ, who he is, what he's called us to do, and the kind of people he's called us to be. And, and, uh, and to have the opportunity to, um, in a few moments, to commission uh, several people from our flock to go and, and uh, minister somewhere else because they believe God has called them to do that is a great and rich privilege as well. And, and uh, there are so many ways that God demonstrates to us the health of his flock, and, and uh, that's just another way. And so we'll look forward to that in a few moments. But I, I want you to turn in your Bibles this, after, this evening to uh, Matthew chapter 23 for a few, uh, Matthew chapter 22 for a few moments. Matthew chapter 22. Let's pray. Our Father, there's something that made our hearts really leap for joy tonight. So we just got to participate in, in hearing God's people sing praises to Christ and, and hearing ascend um, in every way extol your greatness. Thank you for the privilege of being here tonight. Thank you for gathering us together. Thank you for the country we live in and the freedoms we enjoy. And uh, Father, we, we never take these for granted uh, in, in the sense that... Um, we realize around the world, so many of our brothers and sisters tonight are not in a privileged situation that we are. And so our Father, we just want to take this opportunity to thank you so much for what you've granted to us and to help us, Lord, to, to accomplish the mission you've given us of catching people for Christ and caring for them. I pray, Lord, that you would energize us by your Spirit to do that well. We can't do it on our own strength. This is not human work. Catching people is only by the Spirit of God who draws people to himself. And caring for people only grows from the love that God gives to us. 
So we know, Father, that we are entirely dependent upon you for all of these things. And we just uh, acknowledge that. And as we come to the table tonight, we realize you are the one who feeds us. You provide for us. You are the giving God. We receive and then offer ourselves to you to be used as you see fit. So, Lord, I pray that tonight we might um, uh, really zone in on the issue of love and, and what you have called us to. And, uh, and finish this day together with a, a true sense of, of, the, of the central reality of who you are, what you are, and who you want us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Matthew 22, verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, The Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. For some reason, and for those of us who love Christ, we'll never fully understand why it was that there were so many people in the time that he was walking on earth who were out to get him, were out to trick him, catch him up on something. The so-called experts in the scriptures, expert in the uh, law, uh, noting that Christ had already silenced the Sadducees who tried to play mind games with Jesus and lost The Pharisees decided that they were smarter than the Sadducees and decided to take a run at it. And it says here one of them tested him. The whole idea of that tested him is um, um, the idea of trying to trick him. What they were hoping to accomplish is that um, by asking him to quantify uh, the the word of God in terms of its importance, they they would catch him up as being a liberal. And so uh, Christ, of course, realized what they were up to and um, for some reason trying to to bring him down, destroy him and um, challenge him. him. He he recognized what they had and so he offers them this comment. And by the way, he offers them nothing new. Takes one from Deuteronomy and another from Leviticus and, and doesn't just answer what is the greatest commandment but gives them two Combines them. And then verse 40, he, he combines them in an amazing way by saying all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It wasn't unusual for, even in the Old Testament, for there to be a divine summary. Malachi, you know, Malachi 6.8, Psalm 15. They're all summaries of, um, of a collection of, of, uh, of teachings of God. So this was not unusual, an unusual thing to do. So his answer was not new, but um, he makes the point that love is not hidden away in some corner on the edge of what's important. It's a very central issue of who God is and who he intends for his people to be. And um, in, in effect, he says to us, love is what we were made to do. That's who we are. One 
One uh, writer states it this way, our chief privilege and responsibility in life is the adoration of God. By, by saying that um, loving the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind is the, is the first and greatest commandment and then loving your neighbor as yourself and, and saying that all, all hang on this, he's making the point that, that it is in fact our expression of the image of God who is love. And, um, in fact, he had in John, uh, John has recorded in the, um, in, in the, basically the first communion when the disciples got together with Jesus and, and he took out the towel and, and, and was going to wash their feet and, and makes the point that, that loving them, it says, and in the New American Standard, I prefer the translation there, it says, loving him, he loved them to the end. That's the expression of God's attitude toward us. It's about loving us to the end. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will never stop loving you. And um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, made, made it, in, in effect, the centerpiece of communion. What he was most disturbed by in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is that, that the congregation were not demonstrating love for one another. And he, he identifies that as crucial and critical. When the family of God is together, like we are tonight, it is absolutely critical that, that we reflect the image of God in our relationship to one another, to love one another. Loving God with all of our hearts and our minds and our soul. And Mark talks about our strength. And then loving our neighbors, ourselves. And, and so what is presented here in this text for us is... Loving is a direction to face and a way to be. That's how I think it would be divided here. It's a direction to face, to love the Lord. In in terms of of, of crafting the direction of your life, how should I face? When I get up every day, what, what what direction should I face? This is the direction you should face. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your soul. And then when you ask the question, in what way should I be today? Love your neighbor as yourself. That sets up what Christ offered to them. And by saying all the law and the prophets hang on the combination of these commandments. This, by the way, direction is, Jesus said, love the Lord your God. Not just love a God. But recognize that this kind of love is love the Lord who's your God. This is a responding love, an answering love in light, Jesus, in light of the fact that the Father God loves you. Respond to that. Answer that. Love him back. It only makes sense. He's your God. This is not some some impersonal deity. He's yours. Love him. It's always more automatically natural for us to love someone we know loves us, isn't it? It's very easy, or should be very easy for us to love back someone who loves us. That's how it kind of works for us. And so Jesus is saying, this is who the Father is. He loves you already. He loves you first. So love him back. That's, that's what makes sense. Love him with your heart which is your will, the very center 
of your life. Love him. Love him with your soul. The, the soul is, um, the idea here is that it's a, your internal instinct. It goes deeper than your will and your mind. Going to the very place of automatic. Because the fact that God loves you, you have the love of God in you, then love him with your soul. And love him with your mind. Love him the way you think. How do you think about someone you love? Jesus said, that's, that's how you treat the Father. Love him that way. But, but the way to be, he says, that, that's the direction to face. The way to be is to, is to love your neighbors, yourself. This way, by the way, gives a way for us to express the fact that we really love God. By, by exhorting us to love our neighbor as ourself, he makes our love for God real. It's, it's the way we can test ourselves to see if we really love God or if we're just kidding ourselves. It's one thing to read the scriptures and say, oh yes, I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. Or at least I hope I do. But what is the way that we can really turn that into a, an expression that we can see and know, experience? Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a way to be. Not a substitute for loving God, by the way. Indivisibly tied in with it. Jesus does not separate these in, in some arbitrary way. He wraps them up together. You cannot divide them. So he says, to answer those who say, should our priority be the evangelical gospel, or should our priority be social responsibility and concern? Jesus answers the question here. To use a, a popular phrase, Jesus provides for us the robust gospel. Love the Lord your God. That's the evangel. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's your social responsibility. And God doesn't let us off the hook for either of them. Full-out passion for God, full-out passion to care for those around us. That's the truth. That's who we are. That's the direction we face. That's the way we are to be. That's what he presents to us here. To live big, it's both catching and caring for people. Well, what about some applications for this? He doesn't say, by the way, love the whole wide world as yourself in some sort of generic way like I gave at the office kind of thing, you know, and I've taken care of my love responsibility. No, by the way, he ties it into a neighbor. <laughs> he wants to make it close. He wants to make you feel this. He wants to make it something that you're obviously connected to. It's love your neighbor as yourself, not some occasional sentimental act. That doesn't cut it. He, he, by the way, doesn't say love your neighbor more than yourself so that you'll somehow feel like a martyr and, and shine the flashlight or searchlight on yourself and say, oh, look at me, how good a person I am and take the searchlight away from God who enabled you to love in the first place. No. It's love your neighbor 
as yourself, not more than yourself. I think some application, an application of this that is apparent to all of us uh, and is continuing to go on is an application of this kind of love is insisting on civil rights for the African American. That's an evidence of loving your neighbor and caring for them and making changes in society because it is the moral and right thing to do over against the issue of same-sex marriage, which is being portrayed to all of us as another civil rights issue. I don't buy that, but even if I... We're willing to consider as a possible civil rights issue, it's a moral problem. So, loving your neighbor as yourself, tied in with loving the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul, has to deal with the moral issue. You can't ignore the moral issue and still love God, you see. Serving causes and trampling over the people you love close by you is not an application of this. Even though on the one hand you may be doing great things, on the other hand, attempting to do those great things, you are hurting people close by you. You're not loving your neighbor as yourself. The... um, the killers of, in the 9-11 fiasco would have said and did say that they were doing this because they loved Allah with all of their hearts. But it was disconnected from loving your neighbor as yourself, you see. You can get fanatically to the other side and say, well, I'm loving God and I'll just do whatever, whatever I think demonstrates a love for God. But if in the process I demolish people, I surely can't be fulfilling the greatest commandment. Confronting your neighbor about his sin is an application of loving your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus said, as yourself, he was assuming that each of us would know that because God loves us, we are able to operate among, uh, uh, with, with, uh, in the context of the community with security, And confidence, knowing that God loves me. Therefore, I can love other people. That was the assumption that was made. How would I like to be treated in this situation? And that's how I treat. Now, there is a lot of people who will give you a whole lot of advice on how to live the Christian life. They'll say to do this and not do that and go here and don't go there. I would say to you this, that I would make this the starting point of my day. 
I, I think what Jesus has said to us is this. Why don't you start here? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Keep it that simple. And see how your day unfolds. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Our Father, I pray tonight as we partake of the elements now that demonstrated that demonstrate to us or remind us of how much you loved us. Lord, um, we realize that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's an amazing love. Someone might be willing to die for a really good man, but Jesus died for really bad people. That's something that's pretty foreign to us. That's the God who loves us. That's the God who tells us every day, I love you. And then invites us to respond to that love. The love with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our soul. Not because it's hard to do, because it's natural now to respond. And then to express the truth of that love, the authenticity of that love by loving our brothers and our sisters and their neighbor around us as ourself. I pray, Father, that you'll continue to help us as we spend some more time with you and each other tonight to truly reflect upon our passion for you, our love for one another. as we experience this amazing privilege of being called the children of God. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, love the Lord your God, because he loved you. I invite you to join with us now at the table of our Lord and Celebrate the elements that remind us of how much this love cost. Cost us nothing. It cost Christ everything. And we get to experience it and share in it. Grow because of it. So let's say thank you to him tonight by partaking with a sense of passion and heartily as unto the Lord. Our benediction tonight will be somewhat extended. We have this opportunity to celebrate together what God is doing in our midst in the lives of uh, Phil and Linda Gibson. Uh, the, um, the commission from our Lord to catch and care for people, for Christ. And uh, Phil is going to come and share for a few moments just, just to... Once again, remind all of you why, why he and Linda are doing this. Thanks, Phil.
Well, I've been here in this church for over 30 years, and I can tell you I don't think I've been more nervous than, than right now. And uh, it's because the Lord humbles you, and uh, it's been a humbling experience for Linda and I uh, over the last few weeks as uh, we've waited on, on some of you folks uh, to, to help us with, with support for this mission. And you've really blessed us, and thank you for that. Um, Rick asked us to, to share why, why Europe and why are we going. And uh, I could easily say, say thank you, Rick, for, uh, for this wonderful series on living big. And uh, you had me on living rich. You, know, you won me over right there. But uh, that's not the reason. And, and Linda said this morning, he asked her, uh, just tell us why. And she said, why not? You know, so Linda's answer is pretty simple, why not? And why not indeed? You know, um, we wondered... Uh, and why not Europe? Well, it's not for the weather, I'll tell you that, because the, the weather's not as nice as it is here in North America. It's not even because uh, they play real football over there, because uh, it's, the, it's the summer season. They don't play soccer in the summer. Um, and it's not, even, it's not because we're from Europe. It's not the reason. Um, it's been a, a series of circumstances and I don't believe, I don't think many of you believe that God is a, a God of, of coincidence, but he's certainly set a series of, coin, of circumstances in our lives. About six years ago, uh, I was given a, a fairly early, please say very early, retirement package. And uh, so this has allowed us to uh, recently fund ourselves on, on several mission trips. And God has put many godly men in our, in our midst and... Uh, uh, people like uh, Neil Rempel, Alan Holt, uh, Howard Moore, and uh, I have to mention Steve Legg. Uh, they were all instrumental in, 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 in encouraging us to go on mission trips. I'd have to say that the, um, the life-changing mission trip for us was, was in Romania. Uh, our first trip to Romania, we, we saw such a... a, 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 a a moving of the Holy Spirit. We, we, we saw the Holy Spirit in, in spades in, in Romania. It just, uh, we were in terrible conditions, but the spirit of the team was just incredible. And, and I could only give that, I could only uh, attribute that to the, to the work of the Holy Spirit. And we were challenged to go back to Romania a second time. And we, we truly love people in Romania. We find that people in Europe uh, are, um, are either strong spiritually and desperately poor, or they're very prosperous in some countries, France and Ireland, and, and they're, they're living in darkness. And um, you think of Europe, and you think, well, what do they need missionaries for? Europe have less than 2% evangelicals in Europe, less than 2%. In Poland, they say Poland is the most religious country in Europe. There's 40% church attendance in Poland but only less than 1% would tell you that they knew Jesus as their personal savior. So Europe is, is a, dark, a dark nation, spiritually. Compare that to uh, 15% in South America, I think, and, and about 20% in Africa. <clears throat> now that's all, all window dressing to, to, well, why you? Why, why, why is God sending you to Europe? And, and that's a question that, we've really had to struggle with. Why, why us? Could it be us? And, uh, you know, we're not theologians. I've been a professional engineer for 30-odd years. 
so we don't talk scripture all the time. We're not that kind of people. We're working people. And um, the enemy of our soul certainly challenges that. How could God use you? Well, if you remember, uh, when uh, Sherman Britton was in this church, he, he made, a, he made a, 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 an album. Uh, and uh, there was a song on that album. I'm going to try and hum it to you, please. Guys, this is not my solo uh, effort here. But uh, the, on, on this album, uh, Sherman Britton, it was called, Will You Be the One? And it went, Will you be the one to answer to his call? Will you fo- stand when those around you fall? That's enough of that. But that, that song really challenged me. Will you be the one? And I'm thinking, no, no, I can't. That's not me. About four years ago, my dad passed away. And um, we went over to the funeral. And uh, the Anglican minister there said to me, you can do the service. Because I'd, I'd done it for my mom's uh, uh, funeral. And uh, he said, it's all yours, Phil. You, you do the whole thing. So I was, I was given the privilege and God gave me the grace to, to sing and preach at my dad's funeral. And I took the advantage because my, my whole family, my extended family in England, one of whom is a Christian, uh, were all there. And I, I gave them the whole nine yards. I, I told them about Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23 and why I believe that my dad was in heaven. And we came away from the funeral. The reason I tell you that is because in the kitchen, my dad had this old um, radio uh, tape player, and I clicked the thing, and in this radio was Sherman Britton's tape. And I thought, well, thank God. Thank you, Lord, for my dad listening to Sherman Britton's tape. But when, when we went driving around England... Uh, I put this tape, that's the only one I had, I, I put the tape in, in the, um, the car, in the rental car, and this song came on, Will You Be the One to Answer to His Call? And for the first time in my life, I said to Linda, I said, you know, here in England, less than 1% evangelicals, my family, non-believers, we are the ones. And, you know, if you look at Europe, um, even with our failings and our, our weaknesses, you know, God can use us in Europe. And with his grace, we can be the ones. And that's what we're hanging on. Well, I'm going to invite the congregation to participate in a, a really important moment as we together pray, prayer of commission. For Linda, I want you to come forward at this time, Linda and Phil, as they go uh, do what God has called them to do. And um, uh, our vice chairman of deacons, uh, Greg Martin, and our chairman of global ministries, and um, Pastor Steve is going to join with me, all our um, representative in some way of the, the entire ministry of our church as it relates to you, and um, we pray that this will be a really important time for you. And blessing to to everyone. So if you just want to come out here so we can um, place our hands on you. And I'm going to invite the congregation. Let's stand as we we pray and commission Phil and Linda to this ministry that God's called them to. Our Father and our God, we do not take this lightly because we recognize that you have given your life for Phil and Linda. 
And uh, Father, that they might be commissioned and encouraged to do what you want them to do. And so, our Father, we place our hands on them tonight, representing your call in their life and your commissioning of this couple to the work of catching and caring for God's people. Lord, um, I thank you that Phil and Linda have had a responsive heart to you uh, for this number of years since you called them into your kingdom. And they've continued to respond to the, the, the drawing of the Holy Spirit into various ministry assignments, have been faithful to those assignments of, of teaching children and responding in our music program and, and uh, taking their abilities and their financial resources and using them in the mission uh, here and elsewhere. And so, Father, um, when you find people faithful in the things you call them to do, smaller things, you also entrust them to greater responsibilities. And we acknowledge that um, you're calling Phil and Linda to this ministry abroad um, from us a lot of the time. We recognize that. But, Father, we freely give them back to you. You gave them to us. And we ask, Lord, that you would uh, cause this to be a very fruitful and prosperous ministry spiritually. That much will be accomplished. There will be days, Lord, of discouragement and frustration. Um, Just simply the dealing with people is is that's a reality. But, Father, I pray that in those moments they will will remember that you died for those people and you love people. And uh, we can love them too. I pray, Father, that you will grant them the strength they need uh, health-wise, physically, uh, to uh, accomplish and, and uh, respond to the assignments that they receive. Uh, may they know your strength when they become weary. I pray, Father, that you'll continue to provide f- the physical resources for them. Thank you for the amazing ways you've already demonstrated to them your um, uh, confirming of this call in their lives. I pray that you'll continue to provide and that, that the resources will be used in, in uh, um, careful and, and strategic ways. I pray, Father, that you'll watch over their families that are left behind here while they're away and that they will know the presence of God watching over, uh, recognizing that the family is sacrificing in this offering of gift of their, their parents and grandparents and uh, what that means. Father, I pray that this church will uh, continue to be behind this couple and will pray for them and provide for them and, and that uh, we'll participate in the things that you call them to do and, and that they invite us to be a part of. Lord, help us to, to know what you want us to do and when you want us to do it. Uh, Father, I just pray now that uh, as this community of faith affirms the work you're doing, Uh, I pray, Father, that you may continue to call people from our congregation uh, to the uh, various ministry assignments there are here and and elsewhere. Uh, Father, I pray that we will not hold people tightly. We will not hold our things tightly. That we will love you more than these. Uh, Lord, I pray that we will be a congregation that you can call on for the assignments that maybe others wouldn't, wouldn't do. 
that you'd consider us a place for such a time as this. I, I, I love to be the, the, the option for you, Lord. I, I love to be that. And I pray that we'll always uh, uh, be quick to respond to your, your invitation to us. So, Lord, uh, go before Phil and Linda in this uh, great enterprise. Uh, we commend them with your strength and with your blessing. We thank you, Father, for their rich uh, partnership in the ministry together. And we love them and Christ, and we thank you that you love them, and we pray, Father, that great things will be accomplished in the name of Jesus Christ, for we offer this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. Well, I want to leave you with the profound salutations that I give to my children whenever I leave them at home to look after the house and Lynn and I go away on a vacation or something like that. So if you will forgive me, I always tell them, don't fight. Keep the place clean and make sure the house is here when I get back. And so if I could say that to you all, love each other, don't fight. Keep the place clean. Let's not have sin around. Don't sin. And um, make sure the place is still here when I get back. God bless you all. Father, thank you so much for the rich privilege it is to serve alongside of God's people. Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you for the privilege it is to love one another. Thank you for entrusting to us the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in cracked pots. It's an amazing thing. So, Father, I pray that you would um, keep us passionate for the Lord and for one another while we're away from each other, when we're together, so that in all things and at all time, times in all ways, we might glorify Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.